0: Welcome to the ASTRO Podcast. Uh, today we have with us Martin Gansted who is an historian of religion with a specialty on Indic religions and he has been also doing a lot of research on astrology and the role of astrology in these contexts. Uh, So we are here today to talk a little bit about uh, his work. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Glad to be here. Glad you could join us. what can you tell us about your 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 line of work and your line of research regarding astrology
1: right <clears throat> um, well as as you mentioned i'm uh, formerly i'm a historian of religion so um i i i've approached astrology from that angle um, and uh, of course it's it's um uh, a discussion that frequently comes up is what has astrology got to do with religion but then again uh for people who approach it from a history of science point of view it t- tends to be the same sort of question tends to come up you know what does astrology got to do with science so that's something that, that you usually have to you know um start by by trying to bridge these two incommensurables um science and, and religion um which of course are only incommensurable from a modernist point of view. Um, So uh, I'm a historian of religion and uh, as you mentioned I've also, apart from my study of uh, astrology, my my work in astrology, I've also worked on Indic religions generally and uh, uh, I've taught Sanskrit for a number of years, uh, University of Copenhagen, so I'm I'm a bit of a philologist and, um, and a historian of religion, but my, my main interest has always been in uh, divination generally and particularly mm-hmm. in astrology, the history of astrology and its, um, uh, its transmission uh, across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in the... Um, in, in abolishing this (laughs) this erroneous idea that there is uh, Indian astrology on the one hand and so-called Western astrology on the other hand, which is simply historically incorrect. Um, So for the past five or six years, I've been working on the Indian reception of Perso Arabic astrology, uh, Tajikas. That's been my main focus for some time now i am I'm getting a bit tired of it so I'm, I'm <laughs> very, very, very cool I
2: remember one of the first things that we um, had talked about, one of the first things that we addressed in our previous conversations was exactly the non-existent difference
0: mm-hmm.
2: between Western and uh, Indian astrology, so-called mm-hmm. Indian astrology. and that solves the eternal question that people keep asking which one, Uh, was the most important or which one was the source like uh, Mm -hmm. is it uh, western astrology deriving from Indian astrology or the other way around and this solves the question like both are just local uh, differences from the same practice and from the same concept so yeah that is solved (laughs) solved. (laughs) And uh, it was it was very interesting for mm-hmm. us because we began thinking of astrology as a, a complete global, so to say, context. Mm-hmm. And it was very 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 yes. interesting. Yes. yes,
0: because I think uh, astrology has been approached, and we have discussed this in previous podcasts with also other scholars, such as Jeffrey Kotick, who's also uh, our guest. Uh, our guest, yes. and, and he, we talked about that as well, which is we're talking about a global tradition. And then has, has specific uh, outshoots in regions because of cal- cultural and local adaptations, but instead we're talking about an, a practice that extends uh, th- from, from Europe to, to the Far East uh, we in many, many variances, and we can, you know, we can see that this, the, the same traditions being practiced uh, all over the world, uh, in fact. And there, there is a
1: tendency uh, both among scholars, I would say, and and among uh, modern day practitioners um, to let the term Western astrology apply to everything outside of India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, uh, Greek astrology, that's Western. Uh, Persian astrology, Western. Egyptian astrology, Western. <laughs> Arabic <Yeah>. language <laughs> astrology, Western. Uh, everything west of India is is Western.
2: There's a meridian, and then it's Western. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah.
0: What,
1: what I sometimes say is, uh, if we're going to use these distinctions, we we should at least have three categories. We might speak of Eastern astrology, that is, India and and you know, perhaps uh, the. Perhaps we could include the um, transmission of horoscopic astrology to to East Asia then as as well. Um, And Western astrology, we have the the Latin transmission uh, from the the late Middle Ages. But what we have in the Hellenistic world and the Byzantine and the the Persian and Arabic language areas would be better called central astrology. You know, it's, it's sort of in the middle. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah so so it's not you know, it's a very lopsided view to to view Indian astrology as as the it, mm-hmm. it's not
0: mm-hmm. yeah I
1: mean in fact Arabic language astrology spread more or less simultaneously from Persia uh, to into India eastwards into India and uh, westwards into well along the uh, the northern part of Africa into southern Europe, well, into your part of the world, basically. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, true, true. Um, we do have, although some technical distinctions that perhaps um, must be address. taken yeah. into account. Uh, the, the one that's more obvious, I think, is the the use of sidereal sidereal reference system as the sidereal zodiac, while uh, in what we usually call the Western practice, there was an emphasis. At least least an emphasis, uh, not an exclusivity, but an emphasis of the tropical zodiac, so the zodiac of the seasons. And I think that is probably or it has been the main um, separation point between these two traditions, because the rest we know that's more or less similar and it's coming from similar roots. But I think, and I would like to hear your opinion on this, this is perhaps the major divide, I would think, that separates at least Apparently, from, from, from an external point of view,
1: uh, yes. The two
0: traditions, I think.
1: It is, it's certainly the one that most people know about and, and think about immediately, you know, when they think about the differences and and it's what tends to, to cause, you know, for practitioners and for people who know, who are interested on a personal level in astrology uh, and, and know their own uh, chart placements or at least their, their you know, zodiac sign it uh, causes, tends to cause a, a crisis of identity because suddenly you, know, you used to be an Aries and now you're a Pisces, and, and how do you deal with that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's uh, it's it's as you say in the, in the um, what I would call the Western tradition, that is the Latin language tradition. By that point, it's certainly it's certainly Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been completely dominated um, by by the tropical zodiac. Uh, which is not to say that there there wasn't for some people there there was a um, uh, they they were aware of the sidereal zodiac. Uh, Giuntini, in the I think sixteenth century has a very interesting passage where he writes about solar returns, solar annual revolutions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he actually advocates calculating them sidereally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which yeah. is a bit surprising, but yeah. but you know, by and large, yes, the the Western Latin language tradition is, has been a tropical zodiac tradition. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but in the Arabic speaking uh, tradition, the Arabic language texts, it's it's much more of a varied field. You know? and mm. the the earlier authors, the ones who are most influenced by by the Persians, Uh, they often use sidereal placements and you can and you you find these contradictions like Ben Dykes last year um, uh, published his um, um, translation, annotated translation of Abu Ma'shar's um, big book on on annual revolutions Mm -hmm. uh, which in a couple of places explicitly Advocates the tropical
0: zodiac,
1: mm-hmm. or it advocates the tropical year,
0: mm-hmm. rather.
1: Uh, but then, in other places, in that same work, there are charts that are obviously calculated in the sidereal zodiac. Mm-hmm. So, so we get this interesting question: Was Abu Mashar technically you know, inconsistent or incompetent? Uh, certainly a possibility. Uh, <laughs> or, I mean, people did criticize him even during his own lifetime uh, and Ben and, and Dykes mentions this actually in his introduction mm-hmm. as I recall. Um, of course the other possibility is that he didn't write those two sentences uh, mm-hmm. advocating the tropical definition of the year but someone added them at a later point. That's mm-hmm. also a possibility uh, mm-hmm. and we, as far as I know, at, at present we have no way of, of establishing which but but if you the further back you go if you look at, at the the um, texts of Sal and Masha'Allah and so on you find a more use of Persian tables which is to say sidereal tables mm-hmm. and as I said the uh, the Persian Arabic tradition also made it into India
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the Indians use it sidereally and it's not that they didn't know about the tropical zodiac because they did and the interesting thing is that in a couple of places they have statements that say something like, oh, and the Romacas or possibly Romaca as a name, which means the Roman or the Romans, mm. they add precession, which is to say they use the tropical area.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So, so it seems that they, they make a distinction between you know the, the Romans, which in that era would have meant the, the Byzantines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the others yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: so so it's it's not it's not as clear cut as many people yeah. imagine you know, yes. Indians, yes. no, no. Yeah.
2: and also it's not uh, as you as you mentioned it's not that they were not aware of it it's like a choice that they had made yes. we choose to use the sidereal zodiac not the tropical zodiac mm-hmm. as the romacas or what
1: yeah Rom- Romaca, romans Romaca. <laughs>
0: And you can, uh, and there's also the discussions about that in the tenth, eleventh century, where some tables are mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sidereal, and not tropical. So, gives. it's quite late. A doubt, yeah, quite like an Arabic uh, in Arabic context. So, mm-hmm. it does give the doubt exactly what they are using in terms of calculation. And I think the only thing that can answer that, and and this yes. has been a constant presence throughout all our conversations in this podcast is example charts. Yes. Would need example charts of a sample of example charts from each of these practices, traditions, regions, etc. And see exactly what they're doing. If we're going to find do we find a mixed practice, do we find a more exclusive sidereal or tropical? Or sometimes that's another surprise of something completely different or unexpected. And I think that's you probably away, not the solution, because I doubt that we ever found the absolute solution on this, but at least it can give us more clues how they're dealing with this information. But
2: this is one <coughs> of the main um, goals of the Astro Project, yeah. to to understand how the techniques and the ideas and the concepts uh, traveled throughout time and throughout the countries. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to see how all this a uh, corpus of knowledge, that is astrology, how it developed throughout mm-hmm. time. So yeah, this is mm-hmm. yeah, one and, of yeah. our main
0: And it, it is interesting to, to also study and to understand how, if we're dealing with two main referentials, which are distinct in terms of, of concept, uh, how do different, same, the same techniques or the same concepts, such as uh, dignities, uh, the, all the divisions, are adapted from one system to the other and vice versa. So how... how are they applied the same way? Are we talking about a different concept altogether? Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that has to be looked with detail by academia, and so we can really understand technically what's what's happening in the in the mm-hmm. practice. Um, and I think this kind of research is valuable as uh, Absolutely. in Absolutely. this uh, understanding this. Yeah, so it's quite, quite, quite uh, an interesting. But it, point. it's
2: not only, uh, as we all know, it's not only about the zodiacs, the, the difference of the zodiacs. There are other differences. For instance, um, the um, so-called Indian Indian astrology gives uh, much importance to the lunar nodes. For instance,
0: mm-hmm. they, yeah.
2: they also appear in the so-called Western. Tradition, but Latin. they Latin tradition, but they uh, they are uh, they take their own identity in the in the Indian tradition.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're treated
1: they're they're pretty, they're like planets in their own right.
0: Exactly. It's a different yeah. different concept altogether. Um, and I was wondering, uh, now that you mentioned the notes, um, the the thing, the the, the distinction between religion. And astrology, mm-hmm. in and, and in the context, it's completely different. Uh, if there because is one. if there is one, because we we are used to seeing um, astrology in the Western world where we are and we are speaking um, as something that was always always has clashed and for centuries with religion, with the established religion, with Christianity, uh, the end. Also with, with uh, Islam and Judaism, which are the, the three main ones, they have always been a clash between astrological practice and existence. Well, the so very mainly existence of astrology, Christian in mainly, yeah. Yeah. mainly with Christianity, I think. But in and in the context, such clash doesn't exist, or at least doesn't exist uh, in the same way that exists here. So it's something which is completely embedded uh, in in the, in the in the religion, philosophical, mystical tradition. So doesn't have this clash so so in our sense in, as an as historian of religion it should be easier to make the argument of, of <laughs> studying astrology from a religious point of view I would think uh, yeah. well, you,
1: you can you can make you can make an argument for for studying it as uh, as a religious phenomenon even in the West but but it, when people do that it tends to um, to fall under what is is commonly known as esotericism or you know, esoteric traditions, um, and then some people try to apply that um, label to non-European cultures as well and non non mm-hmm. uh, non Abrahamic um, yeah. religious contexts, and uh, and that gives rise to to a sort of um, uh, it's a strange situation as, as you point out, because there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing esoteric mm-hmm. about uh, the, the practice of astrology in, in India. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been completely accepted um, as, as a valid um, shastra that is traditional science or, or learned discipline and, and uh, as you say it's, it's been completely integrated with religious and philosophical ideas, especially, of course, the, uh, the completely um, omnipresent uh, concept of karma or action, that is, action and reaction, uh, which is you know, fundamental to both Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism. Um, and, and astrology fits very well with the concept of karma, and is, this, is, this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine. Uh, I, I, actually think, I actually think that is one reason, one major reason, why astrology um, took root in India to the extent that it did. Uh, because astrology does clash with, say, Christianity. I mean, there, there, there have been compromises made, and astrology has survived in a Christian context, but there's always been a tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you have this idea about uh, um, uh, omniscient and and omnipotent God and uh, one God Mm -hmm. and it belongs to God alone to know the future and to determine the future and also people have to be free uh, at least their souls have to be free to... To make the choice between redemption and and uh, sin, so <clears throat> um, so the stars can't be allowed in Christianity to to um, influence the soul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it might be allowed to influence the body by way of the the four humors. And, and Thomas you know.
2: Aquinas just said it all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, but <clears throat> so there, there's this tension. But in in India there hasn't been the, that tension, as, as you rightly pointed out. Uh, in fact, you could say that there is a sort of tension inherent in astrology, which the doctrine of karma resolves. Mm-hmm. Because right from, from the start of horoscopic astrology, as long, as long far back as we can follow it, uh, there have been at least two kinds of astrology. There's been natal astrology or geneticology where you cast a horoscope and you predict someone's future from it, which presupposes a certain degree of determinism, right? Yeah. But but then there's also been katakic astrology or elections where you give people advice, you say do it at this time, not at that time. <laughs> so that presupposes a certain amount of indeterminism or freedom yeah. and karma is exactly a, a doctrine that, that says that yes there is a certain um, framework that is determined for each lifetime, and within that framework, you have free will, <laughs> free choice, and the choices you make will determine the framework for your next life. Mm-hmm. So it's, it fits very well with astrology, really, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's one reason why it's it's become so, uh, as I said, so so uh, widespread and uh, firmly rooted in India.
0: Exactly yeah. uh, th- yeah. this
2: tension that you mentioned um, it is well in Christianity is between the the will of God or the licitude of astrology the the the, the question whether astrology can be um, done can be practiced mm-hmm. or if God is against it somehow um, and the, and there, there are lots of interesting uh, replies to this mm-hmm. from astrologers from mm-hmm. medieval astrologers and so on. But when we come to um, a non-monotheistic religion, mm-hmm. part of this tension disappears, as you just said.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's always this in, in, internal uh, well, tension and mm-hmm. also utility in astrology, that is, we can predict somehow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wh- and um, because we can predict, we can change at least within within some within some parameters hmm. because uh, just as you just said we have natal astrology and we can more or less have mm-hmm. an idea of the person and then there are other practices mm-hmm. uh, namely the the so called elections
0: that, that manage manage
2: mm-hmm. yeah manage the the, the future so yeah. to say so this is something that is uh, on the one hand is the the very uh, internal tension of astrology, but also its utility. I mean, it's social utility. Mm. People could use it as a tool for prediction and for uh, changing within certain parameters. And um, that is, I suppose, more free and more useful uh, in non-monotheistic religions. Uh, At least this is uh, the idea I get. I don't know if you agree with me.
1: Possibly, yes. I mean, the, the, um, uh, one, one particular aspect of electional astrology, um, one particular use of electional astrology has been uh, traditionally uh, astrological magic, mm-hmm. uh, which, which has been very much a, a gray area <laughs> uh, if not entirely, you know, well, dark yeah. grey, really dark, dark, dark grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not exactly uh, in, in the black arts, um, whereas in in uh, India, it's just you know, a ritual is a ritual, yeah, you know, and and yeah. if you whether you um, worship. The planetary deities or some other deity you know, doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a deity is a deity. <laughs> yes.
2: yeah. And it is very much alive. Uh, when I was in London for my PhD, mm-hmm. I, uh, met, I, I had some colleagues in my residence who were practicing Hindus.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we had the opportunity to talk and it's something that is a completely uh, normal part of their Everyday life, this mm. practice—I don't mean astrology. I mean religion mm. and um, the 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 de- dealing with these different concepts of deity. It's yeah. perfectly alive, not just in medieval times. Yeah, because it's something
0: no. that for the Western mentality, it's
2: kind of difficult. It's kind
0: of way in the in a forgotten past in mm. which we had the Roman, the Greek Roman for, for probably with the last uh, instance of great civilization that, that had uh, polytheism, and mm. we've lost it for, for millennia now. And
2: so Western people tend to think that for other people, this is also something from the past. Mm. But it isn't. It's That's kind of it. an everyday life. Which
0: which makes the context and the perception of things completely different. Specifically
2: Um, astrology, yeah.
0: We were also uh, talking with Jeffrey Kotick in in a previous uh, podcast Mm -hmm. about the fact that, for example, uh, our concept of of, um, astrology in the West, uh, the Latin, again, the Latin tradition is much uh, connected with uh, Aristotle's and the way Aristotle's Thought the world worked, and which is prevalent during centuries, mm. uh, which is something that in other contexts it's non-existent. So, so that, that, that although some concepts might be present, like the elements or other similar uh, descriptors, there isn't that hard uh, core of, <laughs> of, of Aristotelianism that supports or explains astrology, and so there is a lot more freedom to accept certain practices or to be more at ease with certain practices and certain connections within astrology that don't necessarily have to be explained scientifically uh, in the sa- in the same in, in the sense that aristotelianism yeah. is a sort of natural uh, science explanation for astrology
2: so there's more freedom yeah. yes.
0: do you do, do do you see that uh, as well in in your in your view in your study of hinduism and and its connection to 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 astrology um, do I see the
1: uh, the absence of Aristotelianism as yes, as, uh, as an
2: advantage, so to a, say, at <laughs> least
0: <laughs> an advantage, or at least a more um, free way of of looking at how this knowledge works without having to constantly um, explain to, it and yes. refer to or support it with arguments that are from a system which is outside uh, mm-hmm. astrology itself. For example, here we have the, the idea of the influence, so the, 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 the causes, celestial causes that influence uh, behavior. While in other contexts, we're still there are still the same methods of interpretation, the same connections, the same qualities being applied, mm-hmm. but there isn't this concept. At least, right. they, At they least they not, not in this, this in this yeah. in this, yeah. Yeah. In this yeah. way, yeah. not expressed in this way. Mm-hmm.
1: I understand what you're asking, and this is one of the interesting things about, uh, I mean from from a history of religion's point of view, this Mm -hmm. is one of the interesting things about studying the transmission of astrology because as you say very much the same practices, the same um, the same symbolic language, the same Mm -hmm. techniques, um, same sorts of of interpretations um, are applied, but they are embedded within very different uh, worldviews,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: uh, in, including different conceptions of deity and, and different conceptions of um, of reality, really. Um, and of course, uh, as I said in in the Indian context, it's uh, at a very early stage. Uh, actually, as as far as I know. Um, in the very earliest preserved Sanskrit texts on astrology, there is this explicit um, linking of astrology with karma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, some some people uh, there was an Indologist, German Indologist um, named Hulpfuss, for instance, who who argued that well, originally there must have been a sort of um, uh, tension or, or clash um, between the the model of astrology and the explanatory model of astrology and and that of karma. Um, But I'm not sure there was. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'd like to see some hard textual evidence of that. (laughs) Uh, Because right from from the very earliest preserved Sanskrit texts uh, on astrology, we have this, as I said, this explicit Mm -hmm. uh, invocational karma. And once you have that, you don't really need to explain how it works. Mm -hmm it's just it works by karma
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and then different different schools of philosophy and different religious tradition traditions will have slightly different ideas about how karma works mm-hmm. but that's you know some people will think like the jains they they view karma as you know more or less uh, as a uh, mechanism uh, that exists by itself that, that you know, doesn't need anything else to, to prop it up, so to speak, whereas the more um, uh, theistically inclined traditions say that, well, God, the supreme God, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, is the guarantor of, of karma. There is there is a supreme deity who makes sure that, that the law of karma works, you know? uh, keeps everything rolling, just like he, she, it keeps the whole universe uh, working, and of course there are uh, several traditions that are explicitly idealist in their worldview. They they work from a consciousness only model, and of course once you look at it from that angle, then everything sort of changes a bit. the way you you view karma, the way you, the way you view Astrology, etc. So, um, so they all have their different takes on karma, but, but Astrology sort of just goes along with that. Yeah. Um, however karma works, that's how astrology works.
2: It mm. is a, a concept. The concept of karma is mm-hmm. um, also, uh, in my view, it's very misunderstood in the West. And uh, some people, at least the, uh, in the West, Contemporary people kind of mix the concept of karma
0: with uh, like a... Um, concept of punishment, sin uh, and which punishment. has more, much more... So it's kind so there's... of a, a very toxic marriage between <laughs> yeah. these strange
1: mixture, yeah. Which... It's karma, karma viewed through the lens of Christianity. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Very toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they think when they, they say, when they hear the word karma, they think of punishment in mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. and it's it's not that it's like con- natural consequences from what I can understand natural consequences either good or bad or yes. neutral from action that,
1: that yes. is that's the idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as as you as you think and as you act so you become mm-hmm. and and not just you but but your experience that is the, the happiness or or misery that you experience. Mm-hmm. So then that's the basic idea. And I think everyone, all, all the different schools would agree on that definition.
0: Yeah, so, mm. yeah. Uh, I was also, I'm curious, and now changing a little bit uh, uh, the topic, mm-hmm. um, can you give us, I know you cannot talk about everything if you have researched so far, but, um, what would be for you interesting highlights of this um, reception, uh, which you're studying, uh, that you think that are interesting, or at least are central to your to your research work, or are, are uh, out, outstanding in in certain in some way uh, among all of your research? Maybe
2: it's difficult. To, to, maybe <laughs> well, perhaps to it's a difficult
0: question. Yes, so. are,
1: are we talking? Are we talking specifically about the reception of? Uh, mm-hmm. Of Arabic language astrology, or or further back. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let me know. You're the expert. <laughs> what, well, about the, uh, well, what
2: is more relevant mm-hmm. for you? Okay.
1: Well, um, to, to give to give a very broad sort of um, idea, um, you can say that astrology in India um, has three distinct strata or, or layers to it. Mm-hmm. So there, first there's the indigenous astral divination that is not horoscopic astrology, but we have uh, the the asterisms, the nakshatras, oh, yeah. uh, constellations, uh, and the, the sun and the moon, uh, and they're used for they were used for uh, calendric purposes, and uh, this calendar was used not not just for practical purposes, but also for ritual purposes to determine auspicious uh, times for religious rituals and so on. And eventually it was also used for personal divination.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's at the earliest stage, before horoscopic astrology enters India. Um, but then you get uh, horoscopic astrology uh, coming into India in two distinct waves, with about a millennium between them. Uh, so first, uh, Greek language astrology, and then about a thousand years later, Arabic language astrology, mm-hmm. which of course in itself was also uh, derived ultimately from Greek language astrology. So, <clears throat> but you get these two uh, two waves, and they uh, they form two um, separate schools of astrology in India. That is. Mm. Um, the the Greek language astrology that entered was made uh, very Indian in character quite quickly, it was was assimilated and uh, you know uh, adapted to Indian Indian society and Indian ideas uh, so that this this fact that it was actually of non-Indian origin was quite quickly forgotten. Mm and then when the uh, the Arabic language astrology was was imported that was seen as foreign whereas the the older astrology was seen as indigenous mm-hmm. uh, and so they weren't mixed they weren't merged but but they were practiced side by side sometimes by the same people okay. so for instance there's there's one author whose um, whose huge work uh, I've been um, uh, editing and translating for the past five or six years now um and just finished Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he wrote an equally big book five years later Uh, so his first big book was on uh, sanskritized arabic astrology perso arabic astrology but then he wrote uh, a book on um, traditional indian astrology that is the the kind that actually has has greek roots uh, so uh, so you wrote one book in each rather than mixing them uh, it,
2: yes so for them it was a completely different
1: uh, it's sufficiently part. sufficiently different mm. for for it to be you know it would be difficult to to um, merge mm. them you would have to make different mm. decisions like what aspect system should we use because Indian astrology developed their own take on aspects and then they got the more uh, original Greek uh, version uh, passed on uh, through the Arabic language authors uh, and they had to you know, they had two different models there mm-hmm. uh, and also different um, well, all kinds of technical differences, <laughs> we shouldn't choose. go into too much detail. <laughs> yeah. okay.
2: they have to okay. I have a question um, that is also related to these three uh, lines of tradition, so to mm-hmm. say, three things. Uh, I think we had uh, this conversation before, but uh, Luis, as you know, is studying the, um, the Jesuits and the way they um, de- dealt with astrology in different parts of the world. And one of the things that we find interesting—I don't know if you agree—is that um, when it comes to China, they have a lot of translation. There's a lot of translation going on from Chinese to, to Portuguese or, I think, Latin, and from Portuguese and Latin into Chinese. When we come to China, uh, when we, we come yeah. to India, we don't find that many. Exactly. So they were. Th- my question is: they were um, open to the Greek and Arabic. Uh, waves, but at a certain point when we come to the 17th century, uh, they are not open to any more uh, Western yeah. foreign people coming with new ideas.
0: Adding me a little bit uh, to to Elena's yes. question, um, what I found, and we've discussed this uh, uh, on before. other conversations before, uh, I cannot see at least at least no no academic work so far that explicitly addresses this as what is the reception of Western Latin astrology coming from the the, the 16th and 17th century uh, exchange that is growing on in India, uh, in India, and also I cannot find, vice versa, uh, some sort of reception of Indian astrology so that the astrology that is practiced in India in the West. And And yet
2: there were intensive uh, cultural Exchanges.
0: Yeah and, and, yeah, and it is strange for me because we are seeing two cultures that have a, a practice of astrology quite embedded in there, in, even with the religious problems that we discuss in the West, but the, the still there is a practice that is embedded in both civilizations, and yet I was expecting to see more. a much more, <laughs> um, much more argumentation and, and going back and forth, how it works, who's right, who's mm-hmm. wrong, the usual, but there are, there appears to be very little of it's this like discussion. It's parallel
2: not, lines.
0: Yeah, or at least yeah. uh, it's still to be studied, I don't know. Uh, but that was something that I found very strange. While, as Elena pointed out, in China and Japan, you can see the exchange going on and existing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what uh, is your
2: opinion? What's your
0: opinion? Because the, uh, uh, I believe that there is a, another wave, more recent, I would think, of when Western practices Go into India and 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 vice versa because we also have the Indian practices then coming into the West in of course more more contemporaneous uh, dates. But uh, what 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 do you what do you know about what that? What do you it's think about
2: <laughs> the seventeenth <17th> century? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a bit of, a bit off your 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 well, timeline. Quite yeah. it's
1: quite a bit. <laughs> actually, actually, it's bang on my timeline because this okay. this this book I just uh, finished. Uh, editing and translating it was it was written in 1649 oh okay <laughs> in the in the uh, Mughal, uh in the regional capital of the Mughal province of mm-hmm. Bengal okay. in East India uh, and <clears throat> your your observation is uh, is spot on um, when when uh, Persian Arabic astrology. Uh, some, sometimes I use the term Persian Arabic. Sometimes I say Arabic language astrology.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the t- all the textual sources were in Arabic, as far as we can see. But of course, this early Arabic astrology was very much influenced by Persian astrology, and and it was probably um, brought to India by people who were Persians uh, by ethnicity. So, uh, so Persian Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this Persian-Arabic astrology entered India, or began to enter India, uh, during a period when there was quite uh, quite large um, openness. Um, people were very open towards, uh, or comparatively speaking, uh, for <laughs> India, they were quite open to external influences. Um, but over the next few centuries. Uh, as and this is a bit of speculation but but i think there is a cause of connection here as muslim dominance of india increased um there was a sort of um a process where the uh the learned communities uh sanskrit language learning communities sort of closed more and more uh, the door towards uh, you know, other kinds of influences uh, and, and you can actually see that in the in the earliest preserved Tajika texts, that is these these Sanskrit texts on Perso arabic astrology, um, they just you know, say when, when, when they start writing about it, they say well here's something interesting, you know, this, this is this is a new thing we've found, it's called Tajika, which means Persian, Persian astrology. Uh, uh, there, no, uh, there are no apologetics, um, they don't feel the need to defend themselves. But in the later works, in the 16th and 17th centuries, those authors actually begin their works by, by stating why it is permissible. To study this, no. is it really permissible? What would be the arguments against? What would be the arguments uh, in favor? And, and, and of course, they always end up by concluding that it is permissible because otherwise <laughs> they wouldn't be writing the book. But, <laughs> but, but they feel <laughs> they feel the need of apologetics, okay. and this this goes very well um, with the um, um, the idea that I've seen. Uh, presented by um, uh, Professor Sheldon Pollock at Columbia, I think he is, um, who who writes that uh, there was a, I I, I can't quote him verbatim from memory, but but he says that uh, towards the, I think he says the 17th century, uh, there was a a wave of uh, neo-traditionalism that took over in India. Mm-hmm. where you know th- there had been quite a lot of innovation over the past few centuries but now suddenly everything was to be very traditional uh, and i think that is probably a reaction to um, perceived external threats i mm-hmm. mean these things usually are as, as we as indeed we can see today <laughs> yes. um, and um, let me see, uh, so, so so that I, I don't lose the the
0: thread here. So this uh, would be made more difficult to uh, than Western uh, yes. yes, ideas uh, uh, to. If, if we if we broaden the scope a bit
1: and, and look not just to astrology, but uh, for instance in in the realm of religion and philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, Indian tradition has always been very polemical. Uh, there, there's been uh, a lot of freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of opinion, lots and lots of different schools. There were, they didn't burn heretics at the stake in India. It
2: was difficult to find a heretic in this country. <laughs> <laughs> Al,
1: Al-Biruni, the, uh, the Persian uh, polymath in, in the 11th century, who who traveled widely in India and, and wrote a book about India in Arabic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, he notes... Uh, at some point in that book, he, he he notes with surprise that he says although there are, there are all these different religious and philosophical schools, they don't wage war on each other, or if they do, it's only it's only by words. <laughs> so they they had this um, tradition of intellectual debate and polemics and
2: diversity. But, sorry, and diversity.
1: Uh, Yes, and diversity. But but if you were to form an idea uh, just from these works written in Sanskrit uh, up to the 17th and even 18th century of what religious traditions there were in India, you would never guess that there was Islam, (laughs) there was Christianity, there was even a bit of Judaism. Uh, and, and so on. These traditions are simply not mentioned. The the polemics and the debates and the discussions are all within the the Indic schools, the ones that, that arose in India. Uh, and the way they deal with foreign influences is simply not to deal with them, okay. <laughs> just to leave them out. In,
2: Ignore them, and they will eventually go away. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. Not necessarily go away, but but it's don't not, reply yeah. to them. <laughs> and when it comes to astrology, in particular, um, as as you said, Louise, um, by the time the uh, the Europeans started arriving in in large numbers, uh, the scholarly communities, the Sanskrit language. Sanskrit-speaking scholarly communities were largely closed to foreign influences Uh, and it wasn't until uh, the 19th century, even late 19th century, that things began to change a bit and at that point it wasn't really, it still wasn't the the Sanskrit uh, Mm -hmm. language communities, the traditional families of astrologers you know, because it was a hereditary thing as a rule it, uh, it wasn't those people that started a dialogue with western astrology but rather um, the you got the Theosophical Society coming into India and opening their headquarters there in just outside Chennai uh, or Madras as it was called um, and um, and they were very interested in uh, all sorts of you know, aspects of, of Indian religion and and learning, including astrology. And they managed to get a few bandits, a few scholars, traditional scholars, um, to translate a few texts for them. Uh, but really, it wouldn't have taken off, I think, if it hadn't been for the uh, invention of the printing or, or bringing of, of printing technology into India, mm-hmm. uh, which made it possible uh, suddenly to, uh, to distribute books on a large scale. Mm-hmm. That, the printing technology and the railway. Those mm-hmm. two things together made it possible suddenly to, to translate and, and print books in large numbers and then distribute them across the country and once that has started uh it just kept on rolling the snowball kept mm-hmm. growing and growing
0: yeah um yeah.
1: That's
0: Yes, because um, that puts the interaction between uh, Indian uh, the culture, the traditions of Indian astrology and Western astrology to a much much later date, where astrology in the West has already a completely different context, yes. and a different incorporation into the cultural background. Which Absolutely, is quite interesting because that's interesting. That's quite quite interesting, um, because. Uh, I, oh that's as I said before. There's always something that amazed me is why wasn't this interchange going on? Even if, if just to criticize, <laughs> they could be saying horrible things about Indian astrology and vice versa, but. They don't. They don't. <laughs> uh, not, not at least, at least not um, uh, the, with detail or uh, in the view of someone that studied, read material, and is making uh, an educated uh, criticism. It's just that general criticism of religious, of other, uh, which is coming from a religious point of view more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which then would be explained the lack of that because it, the interaction is occurring much much later, uh, mm. almost three hundred years later. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. And, <clears throat> or at least two hundred two, two to two
1: hundred and fifty years later. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty years. Um, and and as I uh, as I mentioned, I just want to clarify this. Um, most of the people who who started translating because the theosophists themselves these these um, you know, Europeans. British and, and a lot of uh, nationalities they didn't know any Sanskrit so they, they had to have um, local people translate the texts for them but most of these people who did the translations and, and then started to write uh, books of their own um, on astrology on Indian astrology uh, they were not uh, from these traditional ast- astrology Astrological families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were not professional astrologers. They they had other professions. Uh, they were uh, civil servants, lawyers, mm-hmm. things like that. People who had a good English education. They they were fluent in English, but they also had enough of a traditional education to know. You know sometimes barely, <laughs> but but you know, they knew some Sanskrit just enough to to make some translations. Yes.
0: Okay, so, so you're, you, they're looking at things in a very superficial way uh, that they're not able, so they're not able to go and in al- depth.
2: Also, yeah. also from um, Western uh, filters.
0: And yes, the, uh, absolutely. The, yes.
2: Problem, the problem with these things is because we, and we are also guilty of this, we all try to fit the new ideas into whatever we already know in whatever mental uh, categories we all already yeah. have so yes. sometimes it is difficult and um, sometimes yeah.
1: you need to unlearn things and that that can be
0: very hard totally
2: absolutely yes, absolutely. yes. yes. it's
0: quite a difficult answer. we
2: okay. look forward to uh, your book
0: yes <laughs> your book and perhaps something we can discuss in detail in in future Podcast as soon as it's it's uh, launched. Um, from what we understood, it's it's a big book, uh, <laughs> and uh, as you said, it sent synthesizes or at least it's it's, uh, it's um, a primer of the Arabic-Indo uh, uh, interaction, inter- so that that uh, tradition where the Arabic. Uh, Line of astrology enters Hinduism and interacts uh, with it. Uh, yes. And
2: I'm, I'm sure it will answer a lot of our questions because it is the, the, the interface of these two, it's an example of the interface of these two completely uh, strong and uh, mature mm. cultures mm. interacting uh, regarding mm. astrology. Yeah. So mm. I, I would uh, um, invite Martin yes. to another podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: another podcast as soon as the book, the book comes, comes book. out and, and we'll, we'll discuss it with more detail and perhaps we can revisit all these topics. Uh,
1: with, again, with the book, with yes. The book. Within I the think context.
0: that would be quite interesting. Do you know when do.
2: it will be? Um...
0: The um, preliminary
1: date is uh, 20th August. So it will be... In a couple of months, it should be on time. Oh, so so. Okay. so it will okay. be soon. Just great. We'll
2: keep. We'll I'm we'll just keep... working
1: with the on the index right now, which is Oh, that is the work.
2: that's part is the difficult but, uh, part.
0: Yeah, the, the hard part. Because
2: you already hard work. R- 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 yes, you already done everything, and then you have to go to the index. Yes, mm. now it is a difficult. <laughs> part. Well, we we'll look forward to it. Yeah, we we'll look forward yes.
0: to it. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for. To all this, to, to work, all this yes. and, and to, to come to the podcast. Uh, we hope to have you more times in the future to discuss uh, again the invitation, not only the book, but any particular points uh, in your research uh, that you find interesting, you find interesting to, share. to share and and to talk a little bit about. Uh, That's okay. yeah, be quite interesting. And, and we say goodbye for now. Yeah, and we say goodbye for now. Thank, you. thank you very much. Goodbye.